Welcome back to How to Tickle Yourself. I'm your host, Duff McDonald, along with my co-host, Joey of Rockledge. And my, oh my, we are excited about today's guest, a remarkable musician and guitarist who is about to bless the world with an unbelievably joyful album next week. It's coming out July 14th, and it's called Wild and Precious Life. The man of the moment is Dwayne Betts, and the album is packed with soulful melodies, intricate guitar work, and a raw, heartfelt energy that will take you to the place that great music is supposed to take you. Dare I say, it will tickle you. <laughs> Son of the legendary Allman Brothers guitarist Dickie Betts, Dwayne is his own force to be reckoned with in the guitar-based rock and blues scene. After cutting his teeth with the band's Backbone, 69, and White Star, he spent a decade playing guitar alongside his father as a member of Dickie Betts and Great Southern. He then traveled the world as a touring member of Dawes. But it's in the last five years where he's been on a complete and total tear. He released an EP in 2018, co-founded the Almond Betts Band, releasing two records in 2019 and 20. And then it was finally time for a solo album, which brings us to Wild and Precious Life, which is being released by our friends at Royal Potato Family. A native of Sarasota, Dwayne says he wanted to capture that old school Florida vibe with this record. Well, he did that and more. Along with a powerhouse of a band, Johnny Stachella on guitar, Barry Dwayne Oakley on bass, John Ginty on keyboards, all three members of the Almond Betts Band, along with Tyler Greenwell on drums and special guests, Marcus King, Nikki Bloom, and Derek Trucks. Dwayne has gifted us with 10 scintillating tracks cut live at Susan Tedeschi and Derek Trucks' Swamp Raga Studio in Jacksonville, Florida in 2022. Dwayne, this album is fucking amazing. <laughs> wow. Thank you for making it and thank you for joining us. Hey, that was an amazing introduction. I am I'm really thoroughly like grateful that you you know liked the record as much as you seem to like it. And and uh yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, he's been so, playing it nonstop. Like it's hey, been on. What, it's fantastic. That's what we want. I mean, we want we want people to to love it. You know, over and over and over. I'm not <laughs> kidding. It makes me so excited. <laughs> present moment traveling town to town the mystery of the motion right here right now right here right now whoa right here right now okay so on that note you you made magic with this album, clearly, starting with uh, the jubilant song Evergreen with its horns all the way to like a beautiful love song, Circles in the Stars at the end. And one of the goals of this show is we're looking to talk to people about how they grab the tickle of existence, right, and hold on to it and do things with it. And that's what you did here. So while none of us are going into the studio with you and Derek Trucks anytime soon, can you, could you still tell us something about the approach you took to making it that can be useful to those of us seeking to make something beautiful ourselves? How'd you do it? How do you make magic? <laughs> um, I, think, I think you kind of find a centerpiece and then you start building around it. You know, you get a couple things going and you kind of you connect to that and you feel confident with that, that there's there's something there's substance there. And then you just kind of start building around it, you know, and I think those two songs you mentioned are two that. Uh, you know, I, I wrote Evergreen. Uh, in I was going I was in Florida and I and I had written it and then. Uh, kind of finalized a version of it. And then I was on a trip down in Mexico and I brought a little parlor guitar down there with me. And I kind of 
realized the song wasn't right and so i kind of rearranged the 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 chord structure as far as like how how the chords went around the progression it was the same chords but it was like quicker i don't know that's kind of hard to explain but but i kind of rearranged it and i finished writing the second verse i think and then then i had a real song and uh circles in the stars was just a, it was an idea i had i mean i've had i had that idea in my pocket just the the melody and the chord change for probably eight seven or eight years before i wrote it or, or five or six years somewhere around there i had it for five years let's say and then i uh it was during the pandemic and i was at my place in jackson hole and i had a lot of time in the summer of 2020 and then i just i just finally finished it you know i had that that idea sitting around for a long time so sometimes songs take a while to to turn around into or I, ideas take a, a long time to turn around in actual songs you know yeah oh, it's gorgeous i love circles in the stars yeah, I wrote that one for my wife. Um, you know, it's clearly kind of like a it's simple, but it's got a real um kind of inviting kind of comfortable quality about it to where you can kind of follow it along easy and it's just it's a perfect song to end the record with, I think. Well, and and so you speaking of uh I'm hoping this one's about your wife. Uh, the uh, Sacred Ground, is that the name of the song? Yeah, Sacred Ground is yeah. another one. Yeah, I wrote that one in Jackson as well during that that same period. Um, and I had Saul Vaughn, who I co-wrote a lot of these songs with, um, come in and kind of clean that one up. I had it, but it, it wasn't quite up to, you know, sometimes you need an editor um, to come in and at the last second and kind of, turn something from kind of like being like that one's kind of a song that's kind of on the verge of cliche you know but it is a really good tune you know no, it's not no it's not when you say when you say yeah i mean circles in the stars is a great song like i'm not i'm not putting myself down like <laughs> i mean you know i'm saying he came in and made some really crucial changes in it that made okay. it what it is so i just want to give credit to him on that one too well the, the line itself feels like we're walking on sacred ground together with this love we found i like w when i heard it i was like oh my god um <laughs> that's what joey makes me feel like, like yeah. you, you, you stole you, my you line nailed you nailed it you nailed it you totally stole my line, um, but it's a perfect, you stole my line. I was going to say that because that's how that song made me think about you instantly and about our relationship. I love it. Um, <laughs> but it, it's a great segue because I wanted to ask you about your wife, um, uh, about Lisa and yeah. how she sort of factors in um, to your music and your, and just in your life. Like you seem to have a pretty good thing going. Yeah. I mean, she's amazing. She's like, I wouldn't be able to do any of this without her. Like, I mean, I get so overwhelmed with like the schedule and handling this and I have to get on a flight to do this and I have to pack my bags and what do I need? You know, what, just everything. Um, Like sometimes I feel guilty because she, helps me out so much like i want her to have time to do her because she's an amazing designer and sells her stuff and um you can go to her instagram and check it out plug no <laughs> um no um what is it what's the instagram yeah uh what's your instagram lisa hadley h-a-d-l-e-y bets all right all right two followers yeah. coming up right now yeah yeah she has uh she makes all of her stuff in bali or it oh, has nice. she goes over there and sources the stuff um and uh from uh textile from you know the indigenous and goes and works with them and stuff and it's it's really cool stuff but um yeah i mean sh we're like you know we're like a when it's we're we're partners in all this you know so like any good partnership you know we try to help each other out you know and this happens to be a big deal for me and for us. So, you know, I put, you know, time and financially and everything, it's like an undertaking. So 
Well, you hit the bullseye. But that song I wrote, I wrote Sacred Ground. I got that idea going. We were on, I kind of remember the day that that kind of solidified. I was on a hike. It was that same period in Jackson. Because a lot of these songs were, those are circles in that one or two that were written in Jackson, Wyoming. So that was during quarantine? Yeah, that one, those were both summer of 2020. But I uh, came up with that one on a hike. We were on a hike. It was a gorgeous day. And it was, uh, you know, I just felt really good. And, uh, you know, we're just walking through nature. And that's it's kind of ideas. That's really good for for writing songs. You want to you, you have like your coffee table, you know, your coffee table, the couch, the acoustic guitar that you leave there overnight, your notebook out, you know, with all the stuff jotted down and then you come back to that, but then you get away from it and you go on a hike or something. And then you still, you can work on it while you're kind of doing what you need to do to get away from it. You're also can kind of still dip your toes in it, in your head while you're hiking, you know, and melodies will come and that kind of thing. I mean, I think that's what my, that's what a lot of people do, you know? Yeah. We go for walks every morning (laughs) and it's like, it's funny once we step into the forest, it's sort of like, it just kind of clarifies everything, right? It like puts everything in its place and like it, uh, anything that might seem like a big deal and shouldn't be, it does away with it. It's like, it's just like this great equalizer. I feel like it also has to do with just chemically, like, you know, if you go out and like get a sweat going and walk up a hill, you know, I mean, taking a walk is nice too, like around the neighborhood. I just did that, but going out and like getting your heart rate up and that stuff. I mean, that, that just chemi- chemically, like I kind of am prone to like, uh, I'm not like, I wouldn't say I suffer from depression, but like, I think I'm prone to being towards depressed. You know what I mean? I have to really do things to counteract it, you know? If I don't move my body, I get, I get kind of, um, I get a little down. It's not that I'd say I'm depressed, but I like, I have to do yoga or we have to go for a hike. And sometimes you just can't do it. Like you got a ton of stuff to do and you're home for three days and you, you know, I mean, you could do it if you woke up at seven in the morning to hit the class and it's just like, well, do I want to sleep? I need rest. Like maybe I can go (laughs) hike later and not do yoga. I mean, I don't know. That stuff is kind of you got to give yourself a break sometimes, you know, but for sure (laughs) on, on which note, uh, saints to sinners sounds like a song about recovery. Is that what that is? Um, not directly. Um, it's kind of about just like getting your shit together. Yeah. I was going to (laughs) ask if I could say shit, like it's about going, going through the shit, you know, and like just kind of redemption at the end of it. That one is me and Stahl. Stahl has a big part of that one. I I came up with that idea and I had it and then he turned it into, you know, um, you know, we, we, we do, we, we fuck up, you know, and you try your best. And, and, you know, when you're, when you're out there, you know, you, you don't mean to hurt people always, you know, you, but you just, you leave, uh, you leave wreckage. And I think, yeah. So in that sense, it is about, it is correlates to recovery. Yeah. But it's not like a recovery song, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was thinking about the title, sorry, Jeff, um, about the title of wild and precious life. Um, there's a poem I love by Mary Oliver. It's called the, uh, the summer day. And mm-hmm. it has a line. It says, what do you, what do you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Yeah, I, I look, I didn't know that. Um, I looked it up to make sure there wasn't a record called wild and precious <laughs> life. And I was like, just hoping that there wasn't a record that came out like this year, like, and I did see that. And, and so I was like, okay, well I can deal with that. If there's like a poem that has it in it or something, oh, because yeah, because it just kind of came to me. Like, I don't know. It's like, you know, you, you're just here for a second and like these giants, I don't know if somebody had passed away that was like, just, you know, these people that are in your life from the time you're born to now. And then they're, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of like 
just kind of came to me and it just kind of, you know, I think it kind of speaks for itself. I mean, every just like a symbolism for life in general, you know? So, so I wrote a uh, book during quarantine called tickled. It's right up here. Yeah. And I went to look and see if someone else had used it (laughs) and no, no one had, but there is a movie uh, on Amazon where it's like for tickle fetishists. So I was like, "Fuck it, that's fine. I can compete." Yeah, you don't have to. I mean, you don't have to be too hard on yourself with like, not you specific, like me or anybody. Like, like I'm like, oh well, does that mean I can't use it if like some if it was in this or that? Like, they're like, no, no, it's, no, you no, you're using it. Like that's nobody, a, that's what nobody I mean. owns. Nobody owns words. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's interesting, though, the title of her poem is uh, Summer Day. And when I was first listening to your music um, and to Wild and Precious Life, I told Duff, I was like, this makes me feel like a perfect Saturday afternoon in the summer. Like, that's the the feeling I get when I listen to it. So I just that's was cool. wondering. I'm glad it yeah. didn't make you feel like you were, like, uh, broken down on the side <laughs> of a highway in a blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> We, uh, Joey and I, uh, made a snap decision in April to go out to see Willie Nelson's 90th birthday at Hollywood Bowl, which yeah. was absurd. And, um, Shooter Jennings played with Willie's sons, Lucas and Micah and Roseanne Cash. So it was kids of the highwaymen, right? They would, they did a thing together. Um, it's like the country music version of Almond Betts band. Mm-hmm. Um, I gather you met your band members there on tour with your fathers. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as, yeah, as far as where me and Devin met and me and yeah. me and Bear, I mean, yeah, pretty much the three of us met on that, that tour. Um, but Barry, obviously didn't know his father because his father passed away in ah. 1972, I believe. But we, my dad, you know, I don't know how exactly the two parties connected, but my dad really was adamant about him, like coming out on the road with us and spending some time. And and really my dad loved his father and, and loves him and, and just kind of wanted to like, open up the world to like bring them in you know like hey your family come on with us so that's where we met and then uh you know the the you know me and barry kind of knew each other in la a little bit after that we played in a couple bands together um when i was in my late teens early 20s um and then Devin and i would always run into each other we never lived in the same town but we'd always see each other here in, in passing, you know, and with, with that kind of a thing, you don't have to see somebody every, you know, month to you're kind of part of something much bigger. So, you know, well, that was what I was going to get at. What is that much bigger? That's uh, it seems like a really tight, thick community, uh, you know, that's multi-generational. What's that? But what was that like growing up in that? Um, it's kind of just like going and hanging with like the family, like uh, with like a great soundtrack, like, you know, <laughs> and a crowd. <laughs> like, I mean, it wasn't like really a big deal being around that um, in a way. And then in another way, it kind of was a big deal. It's like, you know, these guys are like Greg's kind of like that's a rock star kind of. But you know, it's great. You know, it's Greg, you know, um, and they're just kind of like, we're all kind of the same traveling tribe, you know, when you're on the road, that's how it feels. And, and, uh, and it didn't feel like it just felt like I was kind of at a fun place that was like, you know, my dad's work kind of, but it was fun. Set, set, setting your father aside, or you can you you can of course answer him. Who's who? What what are your what are your guitar uh, influences? What what? what I mean, I love a lot. I mean, as far as the way I play, I mean, look, it's kind of like 
you know, the blues is a huge part the King, you know, the Albert King, the BB King, the Freddie King, the people that influenced my dad uh, and Dwayne and, and that generation, you know, of rock guitarists that came after. Um, but then those guys, I mean, you know, Clapton, uh, um, you know, obviously Dwayne and, and um, I mean, I like Jimmy Page. I like, uh, I mean, I like Mick Taylor. I like, uh, I mean, there's so many people. I mean, then you get into Mark Knopfler and I love Jerry Garcia and I love, I mean, Roy Buchanan. I mean, Roy Buchanan wasn't in Led Zeppelin or the Rolling Stones. So, you know, it's more, I mean, he was fantastic, but he wasn't in a a, a big band per se. But, mm-hmm. you know, then you get into like, I mean, I like stuff. I, I love, um, um johnny greenwood from radiohead and and i like blake mills who's a who's a guy that i kind of grew up uh he was playing with us when he was like 13 when i was in a band in malibu called backbone and he was kind of a prodigy and he's an amazing producer songwriter and guitarist but um you know johnny marr from the smiths i mean i like people that that do interesting things. They don't have to be the greatest, um, like the way the lead guitar players of the late sixties and seventy, you know, early seven, those guys that, that we mentioned earlier, like they don't have to be like that for, for them to really, for me to like, really like what they do, you know, like Johnny Greenwood is a, is a perfect example. Like what he does with the guitar is like, no one really does that. So. Um, but I love Mark Knopfler. I can't tell you how much I love Mark Knopfler. I love. I I, ne- I kneel at the altar of Knopfler. Yeah, he's one where I like. I like. Uh, I mean, there's so many. I mean, obviously Hendrix is like the greatest guitar player ever. Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, those kind of people. Um, I mean Jeff Beck. Obvi- obviously, I mean those those people go without saying. All right. What What was it like to? Um, I see that Steve Cropper uh produced your first ep what was it like he, it yeah he like produced that? he produced um see so that ep was kind of taken from different sessions over different years and i okay. kind of had them as demos and i kind of compiled it all to have something to put out because i, I was like well this is good you know people should hear this i don't want to be too perfectionist about it um and so I kind of took what I had and I had done a session with Cropper um, in Nashville and we recorded a, three songs. And I think When We Get Home was the thing on my EP that I used from that session. And, uh, and I think I recut the guitar and the vocal on it, but I really loved the, the bass and the the drum, the bass drums and acoustic, I think was, was, um, it just sounded so good and I liked it a lot. So, but yeah, Steve Cropper is amazing. He like, I mean, that all goes without saying his, his work is, is, uh, you know, he's a legend and like Keith Richards too. I mean, those guys aren't lead players, but those guys are guys that I, I are both bad to the bone, obviously, you know, it goes without saying. Uh, you know who else is and who plays just a dirty swapping guitar <laughs> with you is Marcus King on oh, Cold yeah. Dark World. Damn. Yeah. He's a bad boy, Marcus. <laughs> I mean, he's he's sweet as pie and, you know, he's a good good cat, as they say. What are you listening to now? Tell it, to Give our listeners something that isn't uh, obvious. Who's, who's, who's an unknown band? Oh. <laughs> Man, I'm kind of slacking on what I'm listening to right now. I mean, I really haven't. I mean, I'll say I do like. I mean, you want to know something kind of funny is I was a huge um, Smashing Pumpkins fan when mm-hmm. I was a teenager. I'm a, and I still am, frankly. Um, a fan of Billy Corgan's writing. So I've been kind of diving back into kind of that Siamese dream, melancholy kind of stuff. Um, just for um, old time's sake. Um, and it's really great. I mean, you know, um, 
but uh, I've been listening to some of that. I've been listening to um, The Smile, which is Tom York and Johnny Greenwood's um, side project from Radiohead, oh, okay. their latest yeah. record. That's a phenomenal record if you're into just kind of weird. It's not bluesy. Like if you're into like Leonard Skinner and that's what, you know what I mean? Like it's like, <laughs> it's not like, um, it's not necessarily what uh, my record sounds like, but it's not, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's really good. Um, and then I kind of get, uh, you know, I like a lot of the, the kind of songwriter you know i like the i like charlie crockett uh i love charlie know, crockett i like i think he's got a really kind of compelling mix of of uh country with this kind of old vocal with kind of soul like a soul band with horns and so i really i really like that stuff and i mean there's a lot of great songwriters out there you know the the tyler childers and the you know those guys um I like Ryan Bingham. Ryan Bingham is one of my favorites. I I can't get enough of him. He's great. Um, we got to go that direction, Joey. But I like yeah. a lot of the, there's a lot of cool kind of indie stuff that I get turned on to from my tour manager. We'll, we'll go on, he'll just have playlist and he'll play and turn me on to a bunch of stuff. But, um, so I like that stuff too, but you know, I'll always listen to, I have, I have a tendency to go like, when I'm in the sauna, I have a, a little sauna here. Um, and I'll I'll either listen to like African 70s radio, Pandora radio, <laughs> which awesome. is like really cool. I like the African <laughs> stuff. Um, and I I'll, like the big band African stuff with the guitar, like the really cool guitar playing, the clean kind of guitar playing with the reverb. And then I also listen to like the Smiths and the Cure. <laughs> in the in the in the sauna so that's the thing and then when i'm in the car i'll listen to like really cool reggae i'll listen to, i'll listen to satellite radio i'll listen to outlaw country willie nelson willie nelson's roadhouse when i'm in wyoming because it's like the perfect soundtrack like the really mm. cool like old country stuff so and i listen to hip-hop too I, I i love uh i'm a i'm a hip-hop fan everything yeah Okay, what's I the best like show? The, I feel like the 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 girl in Coming to America is like, you know, I want to <laughs> I want to direct my own movies <laughs> and I want to star in them, but then I want to make <laughs> costumes for the actresses and I want to but then I want to produce, you know. So. <laughs> All right, what's the best show you've seen recently live? Oh man. What was the last show I saw? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I'm like, I'm really the last, it's just, I'm at so many shows that I'm playing at like, what's the, Hey babe. Um, what was, I went to the stones last year. I had really good tickets. I mean, I always, it was after Charlie passed away, but I was, it was great seeing the stones. Um, but I haven't really, I, I mean, there's stuff I'm leaving out. I'm, I mean, I know it. There's, there was something I saw. I saw Radiohead in New Orleans a few years ago, and that was really cool to see them. Because I'd seen them at back in the day, like back when Coachella was still for mm -hmm. like people my age. Um, <laughs> I saw them there and I, you know, and like, you know, but I saw them in New Orleans, which was a kind of a cool thing i have this like so definite in, like this english band you know that's so english be in like such a an american you know you know the heart of american music you know so it was kind of a cool that was a really memorable show i saw them play uh on at liberty state park like oh, wow. under the Statue of Liberty 20 years ago or something. That was a I saw, show. I also saw, uh, I mean, this is a few years ago now, but I saw um, Mark Knopfler in Kansas City. That was really cool. Mm -hmm. I was with Devin Allman and he lives in St. Louis, in the St. Louis area. And we, uh, I flew there to, and then we drove, we had like a road trip and drove like the three or four hours to Kansas City to see, uh, to see Mark. So that's awesome. It was cool. Um, 
One yeah. of my best summers, I saw the following two double bills. Mark Knopfler and Emmy Lou Harris when they did all the road running. And Robert Plant and Allison Krauss when they did their first one together. So that was a banger of a summer scene. That's cool. I saw I saw Robert Plant and Jimmy Page together at in Orlando when they did when they did that tour in the early nineties. Mm. Uh, and that was uh that was cool. I had really good tickets, uh good seats. So um all right. Well Look, look, closing us out here. Uh, step aside from music. What what tickles you? What what gets you? Uh, what gets you motivated outside? Um, putting out ridiculously good albums <laughs> like Wild and Precious Life. Man, I don't know. I like to just. I like to hang with my dog and like I. Wow. I saw him creeping around back there. Hey, Willie. <laughs> That was that was ironic. <laughs> Somebody out there. Um, I just I really love to get into, you know, uh, having like a full existence, you know, because I, you know, like I struggled with with the addiction stuff like many of my friends have and and some of them didn't make it um, and some of them did. but. So I really just appreciate nature. Like when I go on a walk and I see the sun and the, and the wind on the, on the trees, you know, like that stuff is so cool to me still after being sober for six years. Um, and I just, lo I love to travel and I love to see different places and that's like worth the jet lag you know, as much as I can. I mean, I can't, I'm not just, you know, able to, oh, yeah, I'm going to fly to Bali <laughs> because I want to. Like, I mean, it costs a lot of, you know, I don't have the money to just live that lifestyle all the time. But when I can, and I'm fortunate enough, you know, but I love to just taking care of myself and getting a little exercise and getting my chemistry in my head right, drinking a lot of water. You know, I love my wife and I, I mean, we both love food, you know, <laughs> and she's an amazing cook. So, I mean, you know, I mean, all of that stuff, you know, just having a, a good day, a full day in a full existence is kind of the idea that, and it's hard sometimes. I mean, sometimes I wake up with like gripping anxiety, you know, and you just got to keep walking forward and breathing and just walk through it and yeah, do something to get, get it out, you know, um, whether it's like sharing in a meeting, you know, in a meeting or just talking to a friend or, you know, talking to a friend, then going on a hike and checking off the stuff on the list that you need to check off that will relieve the anxiety and then just facing another day i mean it's kind of like the buddhist thing of like life is suffering you know it's like you can't just be in bliss like constantly i mean you have to go you have to drudge through the the mud you know so although although in in sacred ground you're basically making the point where the love that you're feeling has opened your eyes to the divinity of your life, right? And this morning, I was reading uh, this guy, Swami Vivekananda. He's a Vedantist, so pretty close to the Buddhists, right? Mm -hmm. and, his, and in explaining the philosophy of Vedanta, he said the following. You got to give up. Um, the world as we think of it, right? This is the stuff that gets in, messes with you. As we know it, as it appears to be, and know it for what it really is. And it goes, we need to deify it to know that it is God alone. And love helps us do that. It helps us look past, like for me with Joey, Love helped me look past all the nonsense. I also have addiction issues of all the nonsense you've layered on and peek through and you can see the light on the other side, man. 
And like yeah, sometimes you gotta cut, you gotta be proactive to cut through it. And, right? and you know it's there, but sometimes it's easier said than done. And you sure. have to you have to get up and 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 do it, you know. And that's like something my dad taught me. But that's amazing. I mean, I wish you'd like email that to me, email me that book or whatever. But, but I will um, do that. But uh yeah, I mean, I think that's just the when you go through that, you know, and you have to get through a day and then get through another day and then get through 30 days and then, you know, and you you still feel you start feeling a little bit better and a little bit better. I mean, that's just kind of that's good training for for life because mm -hmm. it's the same thing whether you're withdrawing from, you know, opioids or or you're never have done them in your life like you still have to kind of take the approach of like just get through it you know and i mean and a lot of times i'm like it's not like i'm always like every day is like that you know what i mean, I don't mean to paint a, a big picture. I mean, there's a lot of times i'm just like great you know but it just you don't always feel how you would like to feel i guess is is what i'm yeah. saying it's like that saying if you're going through hell keep going <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't say I'm going through hell. I mean, I live a pretty charmed life here. I'm 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 grateful. I have amazing family and you know, I'm I'm happy. So, you know, I don't want to make it like, oh, I'm going through hell, you know, or something like that. But life yeah, well, everybody life has wild it's, and all, it's all relative, you know what I mean? So But also also, so let us return to the reason we're even here. Uh your album is a joy explosion. It is, um, put it on. And from note one, it kind of makes me psyched. Right. And, um, uh, my wife has this thing. She makes fun of it. It's called my snap dance. I'll be standing <laughs> in front of her snapping and just dancing, um, out of being happy. And your album makes me do the snap dance. So it's crossed that threshold. It's, you get a it 10, is, 10 snap it rating. It is so, 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 so good. Congratulations and thank you. It is a, um, it is a work of art. It's also coherent too, right? In the way the albums, you know, the best albums of our lives always felt like a package, like a thing that, that wasn't just the single songs, but had the whole coherence of it. It's got that too. Um, so um you know how to harness the joy so i would I dare say you're even a bit of an expert at it because it's so amazing <laughs> uh listeners um Dwayne betts album wild and precious life out next week july 14th run don't walk to spotify uh and maybe even pick up a physical copy of it if you're so inclined royal potato makes great lps uh Dwayne, Thank you for joining us. It's been a thrill. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. So there you have it. Um, let, I'll take you back to the beginning. I think one of my favorite things I heard there, and it's a great le life lesson, is you got to start somewhere. So when he's talking about, I was like, how do you make a, how do you do this? How do you make magic like that? He's like, the answer is start doing it. Right? <laughs> it reminded me too of um, uh, uh, Jonathan when he was talking about uh, a single point of a mandala and how the mandala, the music is built around it. Um, and it's that sort of- A raga. A raga. Yeah, it was a raga that it's built around. So it's um, a very yeah, and Yeah, and what he was referring to there too is like the almonds are famous for it, but also Dwayne's an expert practitioner, Derek Trucks too where they have the progressions and then they have like a, a spiraling, a song that spirals around it, right? So there's a, there's a through line and then they're circling it. Um, and, but essentially the lesson for me at least was um, uh, you want to make something beautiful, start working on it and you'll <laughs> see where it goes. Right. And, and while, <laughs> while he's answering it, I'm feeling like, Christ, that was a stupid question. 
how do you do something? And he's like, do it. So, um, uh, uh, um, and you know, he's talking about his logistics. He's in, uh, he's in a couple bands. So if you look at his, uh, if you look at his, um, website or, uh, on Royal Potato, the, um, his list of upcoming shows, he's, it's with him, with Almond Bats, with himself and whatever. It's like it, the logistics must be, um, uh, pretty arduous. He's, um, he's got too many awesome things going on. That guy. <laughs> I could barely handle getting my garden planted and making lunch today. <laughs> right. Um, and and just so anyone who's still listening here, uh, just to um, put a punctuate a point, um, it's one of my favorite albums I've heard in God knows how long. I can't stop listening to it. I'm cranking it. So uh, check it out. Uh, it's it's um, it's a really um, it's in, inspiring and invigorating. Yeah, it's like a All summer right. day. What's that? It's like a summer day, like a perfect summer Saturday. Right. It's and great. just um, good times. It's, yeah. it's an album of good times. Um, all right. So I've got one for you. Uh, it's, um, it's from Swami Vivekananda as well, who I mentioned there. I read this the other day. I loved it because it explained a, a way to... Um, to think about man and God. So I'm going to read it in two halves. He's, he starts off by, he says, man is an infinite circle whose circumference is nowhere, but whose center is located in one spot. So basically, like if you think of like your physical body as, you know, in one spot, theoretically, you know, if you're down on the gross there, but uh, mentally you have no circumference, right? So you're an infinite circle whose circumference is nowhere, but whose center is located in one spot. God is an infinite circle whose circumference is nowhere, but whose center is everywhere. That makes perfect sense to me. I feel like when I'm in a state of presence, it's sort of localized here, but there isn't actually a boundary to it, right? Like there, there isn't, um, it's not confined, like the way your body feels right. confined. And then what the God part is, is so there's you in your infinite uh, circle and, and, and no circumference. He's in all of it. So here it goes. He works through all hands, sees through all eyes, walks on all feet, breathes through all bodies, lives in all life, speaks through every mouth, and thinks through every brain. <laughs> Man can become like God and acquire control over the whole universe if he multiplies infinitely his center of self-consciousness. <laughs> That's all. Right? That's all you got to do. <laughs> right? Because you and God share the infinite circle at, with no circumference nowhere. The only difference is... Your center is located in one spot. To become like God, all you need to do is multiply <laughs> infinitely your own center of self-consciousness. All right. Got Any it. Any questions? Done. Yeah. Bang. Done. Thank you, Peter Giles. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I found that great because it basically explains the uh, as above, so below. How mm -hmm. we go from, um, you know, uh, the supreme down to our own godlike existences, but which are contracted somehow, right? It right. just means yep. you're misunderstanding the center here. You're not a single spot. You're everywhere. <laughs> you're um, all the spots. Okay. So on and to close out, just because um uh you know, why the hell not? Um we're gonna go with uh someone we haven't talked about in a while, Baba Muktananda. Mm. So um, I was telling you the other day, anyone who's read Tickled, one of the things I talk about in there is I make the, this point over and over and again that counting things can't get to the essence of a thing. Um, you know, a great example is a tree. If you count, if I said, tell me about the tree, you could tell me how many leaves are on it if you could actually count them, but that's not going <laughs> to get to the essence of the tree. 
how tall it is, how wide it is. Right. Or if you talk about a person, all the silly ways we count ourselves, right? Um, none of them get at the essence of who you are. Um, and um, even sports teams, you know, they do have to play for the championship and stuff, but a sports team's record, two teams can have the exact same record and they'll be very different teams, right? So they won't get at the essence of who the different teams are. So I wrote that in Tickled and like I was fairly confident in it when I was saying it and I remain so. But in retrospect, um, uh, to tell you the truth, I really didn't know what the essence of a thing was. Right. I just knew what it wasn't, which is some kind of count. And in my readings of um, yoga since then, um, one thing that I came across is that this is not a uh, problem, which is, is my own <laughs> individual problem. They have a <laughs> term for it, which they call, it's called neti neti, which means not this, not this. So when you're looking for God, right? Um, basically, if it's anything that's sensorially perceptible, that's not it. It's not this, it's not this. Um, and the, you know, the reason for that is because the essence of a thing is actually invisible to the senses. Right. So if you say the essence of me or you, right, you could take a picture of us. It's not going to get at the essence. You cannot grasp with the senses the essence of not just a person, but anything. It's the it's the isness of it. Right. The ultimate thing behind the thing, which is the backdrop of reality itself. So here we go. That's a long winded way of. <laughs> so I'm reading um, Swami Muktananda and he's talking about and he uh, finally like uh, I was like, oh, my God, this is what um, the essence is. So he's talking about Shiva who's one of the gods of um, the, the Hindu trinity, but also stands for, uh, you know, the supreme as well. And he says the following. It's a great passage. He says, Shiva is the isness of everything. Shiva is real. Shiva is all-pervading. He never ceases to exist. He never vanishes. He is eternal whether or not he is perceived to be so. He is everything. He is in the failed in the same measure as in the redeemed. He is as much in the wicked as in the enlightened, as much as in the sinner as in the saint, shout out to Dwayne Betts, as much in an atom as in the vastest cosmos, as much in a drop as in an ocean. He is beyond all limitation of space time and substance. He is everywhere. He is everlasting. He is in all. He is ever perfect. Indeed, to think that nothing is without Shiva is to see Shiva. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> so uh, what Dwayne Betts album at least helps me to do is uh, and it's what he was saying about going out on hikes and um, in having a full day. This is something a lot of addicts, uh, because when you get an addiction, you basically just blow entire days and you don't even notice what happened. So he's talking about appreciating every moment. And uh, the point I was making when I quoted that earlier Vivekananda thing is appreciating every moment is um, ultimately in yoga. It's realizing that God is in everything. And he's all around you. He is you. You are him, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd like to, if we have time, close with uh, the Mary Oliver poem, The Summer Day. Please. Okay. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper. 
I mean the one who has flung herself out of the grass, the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? If you think you're making a move on my closing quotes with stuff like that, I think you need to think again. We're just let the we're giving the people what they want, right? Listeners, go check out Dwayne Betts' new album. Yeah. Uh, it's it's out next week. It's it's extraordinary. Thank you for listening. We'll be back. Thank you. you bye bye. present moment traveling town to town the mystery of emotion right here right now right here right now whoa right here right now You've been listening to How to Tickle Yourself with your hosts, Stuff McDonald and Matt McButter. You can help us by liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with others. You can talk to us and see what else is happening on Instagram and Facebook at How to Tickle Yourself. This program was recorded in Studio B of the historic Rockledge Recording Studio and the Tunnel Under Arundel. Right here, right now, our original 16-part theme music was written and recorded by the legendary Paul Reddick and Kyle Ferguson of The Sidemen with the brilliant Steve Mariner on bass and drums and in the mixing room. The podcast is produced and distributed by Storic Media. Our editor is Andrew Steiner. Our coordinator is Samantha Abramovitz. Our producers are Kristen Verbitsky and Chuck LaBella. For more information, visit storicmedia.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-C media.com. My love, my dear.